So I want to introduce Pat, who needs no introduction, but I wanted to take the opportunity to tell you how much I think of Pat. Uh, I, I had the privilege of going so far back in their family history. I, I married them in Ohio. How many years ago, Pat? <laughs> Jenny, how many is it, 21? Okay, thank you. I've already messed him up, I'm sorry. I didn't marry him, they married each other. I got to officiate, but it was 21 years ago and we had already formed a bond. And Pat is a, an example, if you wanna get something done, find the busiest person in the church. He, um, he was you know, newly married, had a, a baby and uh, was getting, working for this big corporation and then he was getting his master's degree at USC and so he's commuting back and forth to USC. And he would show up every Wednesday night up here before the building was finished off and stuff. And there would be about 10 high schoolers. And he would take the time to go in there and sing. And the high schoolers weren't overly jazzed at that time. They weren't like the most vibrant congregation. But he kept sewing and sewing. And what's amazing is that we should never despise the day of small beginnings. Uh, I've seen Pat, God's used him leading worship for the whole city on National Day of Prayer. We have a conference in Ohio uh, that some of us go to every year, and Pat is the primary worship leader. Uh, of course, what he does here, also, um, we never as a church have gone out and looked for a worship leader to hire one. He was raised up within this church. In fact, I think I was raised up too. I, I don't think I never had to fill out a form or be searched. And uh, you know, it, it's an, our church is blessed that way that God has given us people in our midst, raised up, but they also have tremendous talent. And Pat is a person like that. Beyond that, I want to say uh, how much I love you, uh, your dedication to everybody that knows you knows that. And he's got this personality. Um, if you're having a problem with Pat, then something's wrong, except for Jenny. Jenny can have a problem. <laughs> but everybody, uh, Pat is, always gets along. And uh, as, a, as a pastor, let me tell you, and some of you would know this, many, many churches split and divide over worship. The worship teams are, tend to be artistic, and some want to do things differently. And it takes leadership to have, I'd rather have unity than the most talented people in the world. And Pat's done that for us in our church up in, in, in worship. So, so appreciate it. So Pat, come and share what you got. Check, one, two, good, all right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity here this morning, Lord, to um, open up your word and to hear from you this morning, Lord. We thank you for last week, last weekend, God, where there was a move of the Spirit and, and, and all the men were in unity, praising you, worshiping you, learning about you, and we just came away with a major afterglow, just reveling in your Spirit, Lord God. And we thank you for that, and we pray for that to continue here this morning. I pray that uh, the words that come from my mouth are directly from you, God. We ask for that broadband connection that it is shared with us all here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so before we begin, um, 
I have a little challenge here. Um, I'll just put this down here. Um, the title of my sermon this morning, oops, um, I want to see if one of you guys can uh, get it. And if you get it, just based on this picture, I have an autographed gu gu guitar pick for whoever wins um, from your worship leader. <laughs> so, uh, so here we go. Well, yeah, I'll just go ahead. What is the title of my sermon this morning? Boom. Alex, congratulations. <laughs> Trust the process. Trust the process. Okay, so who is this? Who is this guy? Loudly. Joel Embiid. Matt, I was hoping you'd be here too. Joel Embiid, Kevin, is um, a Sixer center. And uh, he came in. He's got great skills and talent, um, but he needs to go through, through a process. And he bought into their system. He, he, and every, every tweet from henceforth when he came in was hashtag trust the process. And so that's the, the title of my sermon this morning is to trust the process. Um, and so there you see. Um, so, and it, you know, we've, we've been thinking, uh, Jen and I, um, lately about life and, and what is going on. And uh, a lot of what is sort of going on in, 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 my, in my mind and my heart and our hearts combined is this notion of journey and this notion of, of process. Um, asking God, God, what are you doing? What, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to, trying to accomplish in, in all of this going on? And um, so it, I kept coming back, and I thought it'd be a nice segue uh, for some of the sports buffs in here to understand uh, trust the process. But that's exactly what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, we want to revel in the journey. We want to take joy in the journey. It's all about the journey, and it's all about the process. It will always be. When you think it's not, or worse, when you think you've arrived, be afraid. Be very afraid. I wanted to have maximum effect on that. Be very afraid. Can you turn me up a little bit? Um, and so on, on our trip, on our seven-week uh, gallivanting around the country, we had some chances to listen to things, uh, you know, books and, and different podcasts and whatnot. And this is one that we listened to that just left a mark um, in our family. And it's the story that revolves around David and Goliath. And uh, who, who doesn't love that story? That's just the, it's, it's the underdog against the, the big giant, right? Okay. Um, so we came across this story and a different way to consider the story on closer e examination. After thinking about this, it was clear to me it wasn't, when, when we're done talking about this this morning, I want you to understand it's not about the marginalization of God or his supernatural power to provide victory um, for he can speak anything into e existence. But it's a revelation um, that he chooses to use his saints, um, his people, and, uh, to, to accomplish his, his, his purposes. And the process starts preveniently before we even know what's going on. I can tell you in my life, before I even knew God, his prevenient grace was all around me. If I look back at all the people that spoke, spoke into my life. So let's take another look at this um, story that we all know, that we think we know, about David and Goliath. So he reaches down um, onto the ground and picks up five stones and puts them in his shepherd's bag and starts to walk down the mountainside 
to meet the giant. And the giant sees this figure coming and calls out, Come to me so I can feed your flesh to the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field. He issues this kind of taunt towards this person coming to, to, to fight him. And the shepherd draws closer and closer, and the giant sees that he's carrying a staff. That's all he's carrying instead of a weapon, just a shepherd's staff. And he says, he's insulted, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the shepherd boy takes one of his stones out of his pocket, puts it in his sling, rolls it around, and lets it fly and hits the giant right between the eyes, right here in the most vulnerable spot. And he falls down, either dead or unconscious, and the shepherd boy runs up, takes his sword, cuts off his head, uh, and the Philistines see this, and they turn and run. So, this is the story about David, the underdog, right? Say yes if you think so. Yes, yes? okay. Um, that notion, that story, that act has entered into our lex lexicon of, of language, you know, and, and culture over a long time um, as the metaphor for the Im improbable victory. Um, but I will posit to you, as does Malcolm Glad Gladwell in, in his book, that David, in fact, was not the underdog. Um, but we call him the underdog because he was a kid. He was just a kid. He was a shepherd boy. Goliath is a big, strong giant. We also call him an underdog because Goliath is an experienced and trained warrior. And David, again, is just, just a shepherd. But most importantly, we call him an underdog because all he has is that Goliath is outfitted with all this modern weaponry, glittering coat of armor, and a sword, and a javelin, and a spear. And David has what? A sling. So let's start with that. All David has is a sling. Sneak through there. Okay. Because that's the first mistake that, that, that we make. And again, this is um, from some analysis, looking back at culture, and looking at a little bit of a different angle here. Uh, that's the first mistake that we make. In ancient warfare, there are three kinds of warriors. Um, and I love that we have military guys in here this morning. I'm glad because there's some good stuff here for you. Um, there's cavalry, men on horseback with, with chariots. There's heavy in infantry, which are the foot soldiers, um, armed with swords and shields and some kind of armor. There's ar artillery, and, ar and in this case, the artillery are archers, but more importantly, slingers. And a slinger is someone who has a leather pouch with two long cords, they put in a projectile, either a rock or a lead ball, inside the pouch, and they whirl it around like this, and they let one of the cords go at, at the perfect moment to send the projectile towards its, its target. And that's what uh, David has. And it's important to understand that the sling is not a kid's slingshot, okay? Um, it's not a child's, a child's toy. In fact, it's an uh, incredibly devastating weapon. I don't know about you guys, but every time I, I see pictures de depicted of David and Goliath, I, I, you know, you see that and you see a little, almost looks like a little pebble coming out. Um, never really thought about it in this way. When David rolls it around, he's turning the sling around probably six or seven re revolutions per second. And that means when the rock is released, it's going forward really fast, probably 35 meters per second. I know there are air gun folks here and video guys and there's and the F, FPS is, is a big thing right what would you consider is, is 150 feet per second pretty fast okay good <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting some affirmation here so 135 feet per second I mean 
when you when you grab a BB gun, when you grab some of those things off the shelf, it's 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 about that. So that's coming out at 35 meters per second. That's substantially faster than a baseball thrown even by the, the fastest pitchers. More than that, the stones in the Valley of Elah were not normal rocks. They were barium sulfate. And the rocks are twice the density of, of normal stones. If you do the calculations on, on the ballistics, on the stopping power of the rock fired from David's sling, uh, it's roughly equal to the stopping power of a 45 caliber handgun. Did you know that? Okay, this is a devastating weapon. He was a member of the NRA before the NRA was ever founded. <laughs> National Sling Association, N NSA. <laughs> so, um, so that's, you know, when, when, when you look further, um, it, and it kind of goes on in, into this thing, and, you know, um, I, I think of, of what David had to do, and when, when, when I'm talking about process, um, you know, that's, that's really what, what, what we're talking about, is that, you know, he, he, his, his vocation, his re responsibility was being out there caring for the, for, the, for the sheep. And that was his only weapon, is the sling, and he had that perfected. And so at, when you talk about process, when you talk about David's preparation, that was a significant part um, for, for him. And David had absolutely no expectation. He was not going to fight uh, Goliath the way Goliath wanted to fight him, which was to, to have him come. He knew that he, he had this weapon. Um, and again, he's a shepherd. He spent his entire career using the sling to defend his flock from lions and wolves. And that's where David's strength lies. He came in knowing what the advantage was that he had, the strength that he had. Uh, so here he is, the shepherd, experienced in the use of a devastating weapon up against this lumbering giant weighed down by hundreds of pounds of armor, um, and these incredibly heavy weapons that are useful only in short-range combat. He's a sitting duck. Goliath was a sitting duck. He didn't have a chance. So why do we call, keep calling David the underdog? And why do we keep referring to his victory as improbable? It's, it's, it's not so. And um, so what I wanted to show you guys real quick was um, just a little video here just to prove it. Okay. So... Uh, there's an island off of Spain, or there's a uh, collection of islands off of Spain called the Balearic Islands, um, where there's a culture of folks that have sort of continued on this uh, skill, this uh, tr tradition of slinging. And he's a pretty significant amount of distance away from that target. And he's got himself a, a Balearic sling in his hand. And uh, so I want you just to kind of take a look and see what ends up happening here. And while he's doing that, I'll explain that uh, there are competitions, there are tournaments. This apparently was the winning shot in this tournament. He's, he's ramping up. <laughs> Here we go. Boom. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said when I watched it. Yeah. 
That was not a pebble. That was a projectile. Um, they have been doing some digging in Rome, uh, and you know they've gone down levels, and they've seen projectiles that have been used in slings. It's actually about that big. I mean, it's not just a little smooth pebble that he grabbed out of the stream. He knew what he was doing. He knew he had a weapon. He had a projectile. He had a bullet in his hand. So, um, so anyway, so David was the one who had the ad, ad, ad advantage. And I just want to say that as it relates to, to our lives, um, that God is, is, is pre preparing us for a battle. And, and everything that we do, um, he's getting us ready. So when we walk into something, if we've gone through the process, if we've been discipled, if the uh, process of sanct sanctification continues to happen, when we get to anything that stands in our way, we are ready because of what uh, he's, he's doing in our life. So um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell goes on to talk about the other side of the coin where um, uh, Goliath is, is a giant, kind of like Andre the Giant, and he suffered uh, double vision, and that also didn't help him. But I just want to kind of keep it with uh, David for now. But um, it's pre pretty amazing when you, when you take another, another look at it. Um, so have you, has anyone ever heard of David Goggins? Does that name sound familiar? Okay, great. Military guy. This is good. Beg your pardon? Yes, sir. You can read. Great job. <laughs> Toughest man in the world. Um, so as I'm turning around, you know, uh, doing research on this, trying to figure out, you know, what are the, some of the toughest things that people have to go through? Um, I came upon David Goggins and some of the things that, that he's done. He is literally, uh, in, in the modern era, one of the toughest men you'll ever run, run into. Uh, he's a SEAL, a Ranger, an Air Force tactical air controller. Um, he is the only member of the U.S. Armed Forces to complete SEAL training, U.S. Army Ranger School, and Air Force Tactical Air Controller training. By the way, he did SEAL training three times, uh, just because you know once wasn't enough, you know. Um, and any of those accomplishments by themselves would have been amazing, right, right, Paul? Any of those by themselves would have been awesome. But he did SEAL three times and the others. I mean, un unbelievable. He's also the current Guinness record holder for the uh, most number of pull-ups done in 24 hours. Um, alongside that record are multiple first place finishes in the most brutal uh, ultra marathon races. And that's kind of what, what he does now. Um, and uh, so that's, he's a, he's a pretty tough guy. Um, he wrote an um, autobiography called Can't Hurt Me. Um, and in it he talks about motivation is garbage. But he didn't use garbage. He's a, a different word. Um, he says purpose. Uh, on the other hand, is something that he can get be behind. It's not motivation, it's purpose. After some of his fellow SEALs were killed in action in a military operation, uh, Goggins signed up for the San Diego One Day, which was a 24-hour race where competitors would run as many miles as they could. His intention was to use this race as a qualifier for future ultramarathons, which would allow him to raise money for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. For this race to count, he would have to run at least 100 miles in 24 hours. Slight problem. He's not a runner. He's not a runner. He's 240 to 270 pounds. So there are other pictures, but the one on the left is closer to where he was at when, when he began this odyssey. 240 to 270 pounds. He's not a runner, and he's got to run 100 miles in, in 24 hours. 
He was a big man. He was into uh, powerlifting um, more than anything else. Uh, that bulk served him well in the seals, but it was unheard of for anyone at that size to participate in long distance runs. He hadn't, put on, he hadn't even put on running shoes in, in the past year, um, and yet somehow made it to the 70 mile mark within the first 12 to 13 hours. But the process had been brutal. Goggins got this far only through, for, uh, through sheer force of will. Goggins was in a bad place. All metatarsal bones in his feet were, were broken. That's not good. Um, there were stress fractures, shin splints, uh, muscles tearing. He was peeing blood down his leg because he couldn't make it to a toilet 20 feet from, from him. I know why. Why do this? Um, he was on the brink of death, and he, and he didn't quit. He went on slowly to finish the race, finishing the 100 miles well within the, uh, the um, allotted 24 hours. How did he do it? Was it the mental strength that came from his cause? It would seem that, uh, it would seem that way, but that's not what, what really happened. Everyone asks me, were you thinking about the guys that died uh, during this race? I'm not going to lie. I wasn't. This became a personal thing. It became, this, be, this became me against this race, me against the kids that called me certain names, me against me. It just became something that I, so, uh, that I took so violently personal. And so what I want to share with you guys this morning is a little bit of um, the, the principles behind what uh, David was, was looking at and the biblical principle that's, that, that's associated with, with that. So um, if you'll bear with me as we, as we go through this, this is really key. This really jumped out at me, especially as, as we look at, you know, the different things that, that we're all going through. So he says, purpose trumps motivation. Motivation is, is garbage. Um, purpose fueled by something, purpose is really fueled by something greater than, than, than oneself. And that's really what uh, did it for him. He said he had this purpose that was greater than himself. He was able to, to get through it because he had that out there. And in the biblical sense, in, in the kingdom sense, we have uh, in Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that pre prevails. And so when we're going through whatever we're going through, it's his purposes that, that try to trump everything else, not how we're feeling that day. You know, there is a process to go through, and that process, we have to go through that in order to accomplish his uh, purposes. The second one is, um, whoops, I think I just lost something. Okay. Okay, I'll skip down. The 40% the rule. Um, this is uh, his, his, his second one, the 40% the rule. In, intrigued by how Goggins had manically completed the race despite his brutal injuries, this other guy who was racing in the race too, Itzler, invited the SEAL to live with him for a month. He wanted to learn more about the man that had finished a race despite being so ill-prepared. Goggins agreed with one condition. Itzler would do anything he said, no matter what. <laughs> on the first day, Itzler, um, on the first day, he was made to do 100 pull-ups. He did eight on his first set, then six, and then fewer still. I can, I can relate to that. Uh, Paul, I remember when we did P90X, he did, he did more than six. <laughs> um, 22. Uh, his arms were aching, but uh, Goggins wouldn't re relent. He stood and watched as Itzler struggled, doing one pull-up at a time, but he would finish. So he says, he said, uh, Itzler says, 
he, Goggin, showed me, proved to me right there that there was so much more that we're capable of, so much more than we think we are. He said, uh, he, he would say that when your mind is telling you that you're done, you're really only 40% done. So just when we think we're, we're done, just when we think we're at the end and we have no hope, we have a reserve tank. We have a reserve tank. Um, we're capable of so much more than, than we know, and God provides that for us. Out of Colossians 1.11, um, okay, I don't know how things get, uh, it's really Colossians 1.11 ties in with 40%. Ignore that. Um, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and, and patience. Be, being strengthened with all power, that's his power, according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So God is the one that, that provides that, that for us. Sec, uh, next is uh, deconstruct things. Uh, who knows, what does deconstruct things mean? Anybody? Take apart, break down in, into little things. And that's what, uh, what Goggins said. He said, break down into in small pieces, one step at a time. I know that if we're doing these things, it is literally one step at a time when you're going through uh, things that are, that are just painful. Um, and I always see it as God shining a light on that path in front of us, just enough for, for that next step, nothing more, nothing less. And he's, uh, the uh, Bible verse that corresponds is uh, Matthew 6, 34. Uh, break down, um, give me, sorry, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So that's out of the message, just to give you kind of a more relevant uh, take on it. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked, worked up about what's happening tomorrow. Um, he's going to help you through all of, all of the hard things. Mental vi visualization. Uh, again, these are the kind of things you would see at a um, convention. If you're part of a cor corporation CM, you might hire this guy to come and speak to your sales guys. Uh, but without the biblical principle on there, you know, it, it would just seem like a, like a, like a rah-rah thing. But there's godly principles behind all this stuff. Mental vi visualization. You have to see yourself accomplishing something before it really happens. Um, the mind has to conceive it before the body can, can achieve it. I remember Matt Davenport telling me way back when he was kicking for Wisconsin that he had a psychologist, a sports psychologist guy come in counselor and he would talk about he goes Matt you need to erect uh, two brick walls about I don't know 10 feet apart and just picture that and that ball is going to go down the center of, of that channel there um, and it really helped several game-winning field goals with the with the game on, on on the line there so biblically speaking the way that this works is we see ourselves the way God sees us okay first Peter 2 9 you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. You are a chosen race and a royal priesthood. That's who we are. And the sooner that we see ourselves as royal and as called and as part of his, his royal priesthood and that we see him as sons and daughters of the king, the more we can enter into these struggles, knowing we have the advantage, knowing we have the tailwind. And last, use your cookie jar. 
Like many others, he has a cookie jar uh, that he reaches into for the occasional treat. But this jar, and this is really key, this jar doesn't contain any of the things that you might find. No Oreos, no Chips Ahoy cookies, not even gluten-free, <laughs> not even keto. <laughs> Instead, it contains every setback he has over overcome. That's what, what he's put in his jaw. He'll remember that he's a Navy SEAL who's completed Hell Week three times. He'll remind himself that he's gone through this pain before and survived. Not just survived, thrived. And Psalm 77, 11, says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your wonders of old. And it's so easy for us just to be in this moment right here in this space and forgetting to look in the rear view and see what he has done in our lives and how faithful he's been. And this is a great way to, you know, for him, just a, a reminder, and for us to constantly re remind ourselves of what the Lord has, has done in our lives, just to reinforce what, what he's done. Um, I wanted to tie in um, what, uh, what Robert Grant said, and this is the, sort of the second part of it. Um, let's see. While, and this is called While We're in the Process. We do not dare uh, to classify, this is out of... Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 15, that we were um, reading, that uh, Robert uh, asked us to look at. We do not share to classify or compare ourselves with, with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. You got a bunch of people looking in, in a circle. Mm, you're, you're sweet, you're sweet, I'm sweet, you're sweet, I'm sweet. Looking at, at themselves, they are, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast uh, beyond proper limits, but we'll confine our boasting to the sphere and service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So while we're in the process, it's really important because um, the vertical that Robert was talking about was this download that, that we get from God. Um, it's, it's, it's the orders, it's, it, essentially, that, that come from him that we're going we're gonna to take in. And the process that we're talking about here is worked out horizontally. Um, if we isolate ourselves and we're just good with the download, we're just good with, you know, the sort of abstract relationship with the Lord without the practical, we're going we're gonna to go, go astray. We need to rub elbows with, with each other and sharpen and, and go, hey, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. You know, we need this, you know, to, to, to happen um, with, with, with fellow man. Um, then once that happens then he's faithful to expand our spheres and our in influence. So um, our hope, as, as it, as it con continues in that passage, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that you can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Um, and that's, that's really important. You know, as, as we sign up, as we commit to going through this process, as we say, look, I, I need to be discipled. I need to go through something to be on the other side so that I'm equipped and ready. That's what this is all about. The Lord will then expand the spheres that, that you are in. If you feel like you're, you know, you're dry and you're tired and, you're, and, you're, and your world is just small and minimal, I would just say to you, sign up, commit, 
open yourselves up for, for counsel from, from other people. Um, last, lastly, I would say, um, before we get to the end here, um, the story of Joseph uh, stood out to me. And toward the end there, when he re- revealed himself to his brothers out of Genesis 45, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. Um, when, when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And when he was sold in Egypt, there began that crazy process, right? And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent, sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in, in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great de- deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of, of all Egypt. So Joseph went through an amazing process. And his, was, his sphere was expanded greatly to where he was the number two guy. He was the VP in, in Egypt. And I would say for us, this is really key because the more that, that we commit, the more that we're, we're all in to, to God, the more he's going to give us. He will open doors, not close them. I think of Patterson and her soccer. Uh, she's into her third match. She just started. They're called the Purple Power. <laughs> Nothing to do with waterfalls, but we just like straight power. Um, and third game in, she's still asking the ref, which side are we scoring into? So I know there's a process here um, of learning. Um, I made the notes, too, that uh, Anthony, Teresa, Tony, what you did with Anthony on the weekend was just the heart of a father. I, I just can't stop thinking about it. And the fact that you're joining with him in this journey, in this process, you know, and he's, he's three years in, and it's going to be a long process, but he wants it. He owns it. And for worship to come out of him over the course of time, for him to master the, his instrument and his skill there with you behind him is just going to be awesome. But he's going to go through a process. He's not ready yet, but he, he will be. And by God's grace, next men's retreat, we're going to have him up there slapping a couple strings. Um, for us, you know, our family, uh, Eli was invited in, in, into a whole new world um, that, that he's going to go through. But it's going to give him the authority and the power to, to have something to say in, in that world when he comes across other people who are afflicted with, 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 with what he's dealing with. Um, I just want to say... Um, in the trial, in the process, all is gained. Not, not at the end. All is gained in the process. The character, the wisdom, the rounding out, the humility, the discernment, the faith building. For us, um, if we want to be like 007, who's, who's, who's 007? James Bond. Whose service does James Bond, who, who's, who's James Bond serving? His Majesty. For us to be enlisted in his majesty's service, we have to go through the same process. Okay. Um, One last thing. Spurgeon said, be separate. Therefore, keep yourself unstained from the world. Do not soil the fingers. And by the way, can the worship team come up? Um, Do not soil the fingers that are to serve the king. Do not let your eyes become the windows of lust that will soon see the king in his beauty. Okay, I really want you to listen to this. It's really important. 
Keep yourself unstained from the world. Don't let, do not soil the fingers that are to serve the king. Do not let your eyes become windows of lust, for those eyes will soon see the king in, in his beauty. Do not let your feet, which are soon to walk the golden streets, be defiled in, in dirty places. Do not allow your heart to be filled with pride and bitterness, but prepare it to be filled with heaven and to overflow with ecstatic joy. You guys, this is our calling um, to, to be separate. We have an opportunity in this world to be more distinct than ever before because we're no longer in a situation where we're cultural Christians. Those days are gone. We have an awesome opportunity to be distinct just by standing fast. Um, and we will stand out just, just by doing that. We don't have to have a big old sign on our shirt. Just by our deeds, by, by what we do, by being committed to this journey, we're going to be more distinct than, than, than ever before. We're living in the best of times. That's why we sang that song, Days of Elijah. The harvest is, is plentiful, but we need people. Um, and all of this is, is, is to say that he doesn't just want us to be part of the pack. He wants us to be difference makers. And we're going to sing a song called Difference Makers here. And I want you, when we get to one of these verses, think about that verse talking about and they compared themselves against themselves and blah, blah, blah. Just think about difference maker when you see that. One last comment. Joel Embiid was just talking about being a better center, trusting the process, getting W's for, for his team. He says it's not just about getting over what we've been going through. It applies to everything in life. We're always going to be trusting the process. The process is life. Sorry. You're all going to continue to go through the process. We don't have a deck chair waiting on some beautiful artificial turf um, waiting for us. You're going to be plowing. We're going to keep working. Um, I will say this. This is a group right here. This is from our retreat. I won't, I won't play the audio, uh, but, uh, but Noah and Anthony led us, and we ready. Are we ready for y'all? Are we ready for, for this world? Are we ready for this earth? Let's commit. Come on. <laughs> so come on. We're going to sing this song for you. Amen. <laughs>